0: Welcome to the teaching ministry of Providence Church. Our mission is to know, worship, and serve Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords, so that he's honored and his reign is powerfully proclaimed in central Illinois and beyond for the generations to come. It's our prayer that this message is a blessing to you. We are in Zechariah chapter five today. You're reading the whole chapter. I can find it. Zechariah chapter five. Beloved, we are about to feast on the life-giving Word of God. Then I turned and lifted up mine eyes and looked, and behold a flying roll. And he said unto me, What seest thou? And I answered, I see a flying roll. The length thereof is twenty cubits, and the breadth thereof ten cubits. Then said he unto me, This is the curse that goeth forth over the face of the earth, of the whole earth, for every one that stealeth shall be cut off as on this side according to it, and every one that sweareth shall be cut off on that side according to it. I will bring it forth, saith the Lord of hosts, and it shall enter into the house of the thief, and into the house of him that sweareth false, sweareth falsely by my name. And it shall remain in the midst of his house and shall consume it with the timbers thereof and the stones thereof. Then the angel that talked with me went forth and said unto me, lift up now thine eyes and see what is this that goeth forth. And I said, what is it? And he said, this is an ephah that goeth forth. He said, moreover, this is their remembrance through all the earth. And behold, there was lifted up a talent of lead, and this is a woman that sitteth in the midst of the ephah. And he said, This is wickedness. And he cast it into the midst of the ephah, and he cast the weight of lead upon the mouth thereof. Then lifted up I mine eyes and looked, and behold, there came out two women. And the wind was in their wings, for they had wings like the wings of a stork. And they lifted up the ephah between the earth and the heaven. Then said I to the angel that talked with me, Whither do these bear the ephah? And he said unto me, To build it in house in the land of Shinar, and it shall be established and set there upon her own base. Let's pray. Father, we come to Your Word this morning with expectation. We come this morning with excitement. For we know that Your Word does not return to You void. And Lord, we pray this morning that You will send Your Spirit, that He will minister to us, and that He will bless the reading and the preaching and the hearing of Your Word. We pray for the comfort of Your Spirit. We pray that Your Spirit will lead us into all truths, and that Your truths will set us free. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So this is another odd vision, right? Um, You thought the last couple were strange. This one. Flying scroll that destroys houses. A woman in a basket with a lead lid. Two other women with stork wings that fly the basket off and take it into the land of Shinar. And once again, we're right there with Zechariah, right? Saying... What is this? I feel a little bit in these visions uh, like I've been tossed into the deep end of the pool with no swimmies. I'm supposed to be funny. Do you ever feel like that? you ever feel like the Lord is stretching you and challenging you and you're just grasping for something to hang on to? But I think it's a good time for us to go back and understand how we approach a difficult text. A text that may not be immediately clear or obvious. See, there's much wisdom that we've been given. We've been given this principle that says when you come to a difficult text, that you should rely on those texts that are more clear or more easy to understand to guide you through those that are more difficult. We also need to come to these kind of texts with an understanding of the general storylines or the general principles that Scripture as a whole teaches. We need to understand how a difficult text like this actually is consistent with the teaching of the Word and the clearer passages. So how do we do that? How do we approach this kind of a text? Well, I very simply went back to the beginning of the book of Zechariah and thought, let's start there. Maybe there are some clues. And when I got there, I was quickly reminded the reason why we're in Zechariah is because of a comment in Ezra. Y'all remember this, right? Zerubbabel and Joshua rose up and began to build the house of God. And the prophets of God were with them, helping them. And in the very beginning of Zechariah, we read these words. The Lord answered the angel that talked with me with good words and comfortable words. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I am jealous for Jerusalem and for Zion with a great jealousy. And I am very sore displeased with the heathen. So when we take these ideas, just from this little bit of insight into a couple other passages, and we say, the God of Israel is helping His people. He is encouraging His people through His Word and through His prophets. The Lord speaks good and comfortable, comforting words to His people. The Lord of hosts is zealous for His people with a great jealousy. He is zealous. He is jealous. We might say He is crazy in love with His people, with His bride. The Lord of hosts is very sore, displeased, and angry with the heathen. We might say... That he has a great anger in his angriness. He is angry. And as I think on these, this is actually a good summary of the entire story of Scriptures. God is encouraging us. He is comforting us. He loves us. And he is angry at those who oppose him. So as we approach this text, we must be able to find these elements in these words, no matter how strange they may be to us. So let's see if we can read through here and find these elements. So the first part tells us, Then I turned and lifted up mine eyes, and looked, and behold, a flying roll. And he said, the angel, said to me, what seest thou? And I answered, I see a flying roll. The length thereof is 20 cubits, and the breadth thereof is 10 cubits. So Zechariah answers right away. He knows what a scroll looks like. He knows what a roll is. He's probably pretty happy that he gets to answer the question, right? He sees this roll or this scroll flying through the air. And he comments on the size of it. And I wonder, I can't help but wonder, if he's not a little alarmed. Zechariah would have been familiar with the other prophets. And Ezekiel tells us that he looked, and behold, he saw a roll, a roll of a book. And it was spread before him, and it was written within and without. And there was written therein lamentations, and mourning, and woe. See, this is the Word of God that he sees. And it is flying over the whole land. If you want a mental image on this one, think of kind of the classic Ten Commandments that you're used to seeing. Flying over the land, right? But as Ezekiel continues, he is told to eat the scroll. And I'm wondering if Zechariah is just not a little apprehensive that this thing is really big. But I wonder if the size is not mentioned because it's the same dimensions as the tabernacle. And maybe, like the candlestick from the previous vision, it is here to remind us of God's presence with His people. The way that He has dwelt with His people. Think about it this way. In this flying image, I can't help but think of the cloud flying overhead, or the fire by night. And these were there to show God's glory. And they were there to comfort His people, giving them direction, reminding them of their covenantal God and their obligations to Him. God's presence was also on display it also showed his judgment to the enemies of his people. So we have the Word of God flying over the whole land. And Zechariah knows this vision. But the angel clarifies it for him. He brings it into tighter focus. And he tells him in verse 3, This is the curse that goeth forth over the face of the whole earth. For everyone that stealeth shall be cut off on this side according to it, and everyone that sweareth shall be cut off on that side according to it. So the past couple visions... God has shown us His great love for His people, for His bride. And we know from Deuteronomy that God's covenantal word to His people laid out blessings for those who love Him and curses to those who hate Him. Behold, I set before you this day a blessing And a curse, a blessing, if ye obey the commandments of the Lord, your God, which I commanded you this day and a curse. If you will not obey the commandments of the Lord, your God, but turn aside out of the way, which I command you this day to go after other gods, which ye have not known. So the Word of God is flying over the whole land. And the angel tells us that it is a curse. And it mentions a couple different sins here. It mentions stealing. It mentions man sinning against man. Now I know that all sin ultimately is against God. But stealing is a very direct way of not showing love to your neighbor. And then it mentions swearing, which is sinning against God. It tells us later in verse 4 that this swearing is swearing falsely by His name. And we see very clearly the two tables of the law. And we know and we see that everybody before the Lord is guilty. And that this curse is upon them. Now, we also have to wonder what does this mean for God's people? As they hear this prophecy and they're told that God's word is flying over them and that it is a curse, what must they be thinking? And I go back to the sin of stealing that is mentioned here. And as we think back over our story, there is a time where God's people were stealing from Him. Do you remember what it was? God provided resources for His temple. And what did the people do? Do you remember? They used it to remodel their own houses. They stole from God. And then we can see from another prophet, Malachi, in the same time period, that these people had robbed God. You know this passage. We use it for our tithes and offerings all the time. And it says that they robbed God by not giving of their tithes and offerings. And then as we look at the sin of swearing, swearing falsely by My name, we're looking at people that were not trusting the Lord. They did not have confidence that He was going to be faithful to His covenant. They did not believe His Word that He was going to pardon them and prosper them. Instead, they had turned to something or someone else instead of the Lord. They had sworn falsely in His name. They were accused of adultery and idolatry. Ultimately, it looks like this is saying that God's people were stealing from His glory. They were not trusting His Word, they were not using the resources He had provided for them correctly. Their attitudes and their actions showed that they thought their labor was in vain. They, like their fathers, like their fathers before them, seemed to be more concerned about their own belly, more concerned about their daily comforts, than about laboring for the Lord and building His house and building up His people and advancing His kingdom. See, they had had totally left off, right? Worship. How can you really enter into worship of the one true God... When you're pursuing all these false gods and all these dumb idols. So we see in God's people here basically a failure of faith, a lack of trust. And I think both are in view here. I think that this curse, this Word of God flying over the people is over the heathen, the nations that live around about them, and it is also flying over God's people. And we know that it's just not these two sins, right? For we know that breaking one point of the law means that you are guilty of the entire law. In Deuteronomy chapter 27, we read this. Cursed be he that confirms not all the words of this law to do them. And all the people shall say, Amen. But see, man in his flesh. Man in his flesh does not confirm the word of the Lord. He does not say, Amen. He does not say, So let it be. But He echoes, as God really said. Surely, He does not mean this word for our good. And then we are driven to false gods and to cruel, dumb idols. And we devote ourselves to them. So the passage continues. Verse 4 says, I will bring it forth. This is the word and the curse, right? Saith the Lord a host, and it shall enter into the house of the thief and into the house of him that swears falsely by My name, and it shall remain in the midst of his house, and it shall consume it with the timbers thereof and the stones thereof. See, our God is a jealous God. The whole point of our story from the beginning of Ezra until where we are right now is about what? It is about His people building His house. And they're prone to get distracted. And God is jealous. He is a jealous God because He looks at His people and He says, You're building a house for yourself. You've even used materials that I gave you for my house on yours. So the so God of the covenant, He comes with His Word and with a curse. And it enters into the house. It enters into these Families. It enters into these households. It enters into these false temples. And the Lord dwells there. And what happens? Do you see? The house is consumed. To borrow a phrase from Marshall Foster, you don't break God's law. God's law breaks you. And let me add to it, and it will tear down your house. The Lord is jealous for his own house. He will not tolerate houses and temples dedicated to someone or something else. He will not tolerate houses that do not stand on the foundation of His Word and that do not stand for His glory. The Word of God, the curse, tears down these false temples. Verse 5, Then the angel that talked with me went forth and said unto me, Lift up now thine eyes and see what is this that goeth forth. Here is the command for Zechariah. Here's the command for God's people, for you. It says pay attention. Here's the point. Lift up your eyes and see... Your God, behold your God, the Lord of hosts has roused himself in his holy habitation. He is coming to shake his hand against those who will not bow the knee to him. The Lord in, Chap- in Zechariah chapter 2, the Lord warned everybody. He said, I'm coming in judgment. You who are still in Babylon, flee. You nations who have come against my people, you're in trouble. This awesome and terrible Lord that comes in His love to His people with healing in His wings is also coming in anger against those who despise His law. He's coming in wrath and anger and a consuming fire. But I'm getting a little ahead of myself here. Because there's some more explanation needed here. In verse 6, Zechariah says, um, okay, but what is it? And he said, this is an ephah that goeth forth. And he said, moreover, this is their re- re- resemblance through all the earth. This is a little like the previous verse or the previous vision. That sometimes when we get the explanation, it's not real clear. It's not a nice, simple answer like we want. See, unlike the scroll before, Zechariah doesn't know what he's seeing. There's an ephah. An ephah is a measurement. It's say like you want to measure out wheat, right? Think of like a bushel basket. It's not quite that big. It's just a little bigger than half that. But he sees an ephah. As a result of God's law, the flying scroll, through the Lord's presence, through His ever-watchful eye, We have an Ephah. What does it mean? I think it's very simple. It's just the way that the Lord is gathering up sinners. He's gathering up sin. He needs to remove it from His presence. And for just a little bit of a rabbit trail, we don't really have time to go into all of this. But God's Word is in authority over the whole earth. Amen? It's over Zerubbabel the prince as a civil magistrate. It's over Joshua the high priest. It's over Zechariah the prophet. It's over all of God's people. And it's over the nations that don't love Him. See, we are not allowed to compartmentalize our lives. We're not able to say that the Lord and His law rules and reigns here, but not over here. And I wonder if there's not something here that we really need to dig out at some point. Maybe you can go home and check this on your own. But this measure... God was really particular about the Israelites being faithful in their measurements, right? And we have these sins listed of stealing and swearing falsely. I believe there was sin amongst the Israelites and obviously amongst the nations who were there in their business dealings. See, not only is... God's law over the civil magistrate. Not only is it over the church, not only is it over the individual, but we also have to understand that in our business dealings, we must be faithful to God's law. It's A little bit of a rabbit trail. So we have God using the ephah as a tool. He's going to gather up, Right? And behold, verse 7, And behold, there was lifted up a talent of lead, and this is a woman that sitteth in the midst of the ephah. And he said, This is wickedness. And he cast it into the midst of the ephah, and he cast the weight of lead upon the mouth thereof. I'm with Zechariah here. What is this? This is an ephah. This is a woman. What is it? And the angel replies, This is wickedness. The Lord is gathering up wickedness from the land. Is this the sins, former and present, of true Israel? Is this the sins and the filthy garments of false Israel that has not been taken away by the angel of the Lord? Or is wickedness the sins of those who oppose the Lord and His Christ? Is this wickedness the sins of the mountain before Zerubbabel, the opposition? I believe it's all three. Three. All three of these are holding back the exiles, the returned exiles, from completing their God-appointed duties and obligations, the good works that they've been ordained to walk in. It tells us that the woman is wickedness. She is the harlot. She is Babylon that draws men to bow down and to worship false gods and dumb idols. The woman is wickedness. She is unfaithful Israel. She is the unfaithful bride. So then in verse 9 it says, Then lifted up I my eyes, and looked, and behold, there came out two women, and the wind was in their wings. For they had wings like the wings of a stork, And they lifted up the ephah between the earth and the heaven. Lift up your eyes and behold the glorious work of the Lord. This verse is almost unfair, (laughs) it is nearly impossible to decipher. But we see that the flying curse becomes flying deliverance, flying judgment, flying justice. Cleaning the land on the wind of the wings, the Lord's healing his people in his wings between heaven and earth, flying. Between heaven and earth, blessings and curses. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, we see this. I have read it many times to you as a congregation, and I will continue to do so. Deuteronomy chapter 30. See, I have set before thee this day. Life and good, or death and evil. And that I command thee this day to love the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways, and to keep his commandments, and his statutes, and his judgments, that thou mayest live and multiply. And the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land whither thou goest to possess it. But if thine heart turn away, so that thou wilt not hear, but shall be drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I denounce unto you this day that ye shall surely perish, and that ye shall not prolong your days upon the land whither thou passest over the Jordan to go to possess it. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your seed may live. That thou mayest love the Lord thy God, and that thou mayest obey his voice, and that thou mayest cleave unto him, for he is thy life, and he is thy length of days. That thou mayest dwell in the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers, unto Abraham, and unto Isaac, and unto Jacob." In verse 9, I see the Lord gathering up sin and gathering up wickedness. He is removing the opposition from His people. And then Zechariah asks a fair question in verse 10. He says, where do they bear the ephah? Where do they take it? Our God is holy, amen. And He can't be in the presence of sin. We're told in Zechariah chapter 3 that He will remove the iniquity of that land in one day. That with His seven eyes, He can see the whole land. The eyes of the Lord are over the wicked to destroy their memory from the earth or from the land. And he said unto me, here's the answer, to build it a house in the land of Shinar. And it shall be established and set there upon its own base. Wickedness is removed it is carried off to the land of shinar we see in several places in scripture that shinar is the same shinar is the same as babylon it is the land of babel from the tower of babel to the israelites being captive in babylon we see this land represents the idolatrous world a world in revolt to the lord god almighty A world exalting itself in its own strength and for its own glory. And the Lord gathers up the wickedness and he says, I'm going to build it a house there. Its own house. It's a false temple, it's a prison. He is locking it away. The wickedness that is the heathen round about, the opposition, the mountain before Zerubbabel is removed. The wickedness that is the unfaithful bride is removed. The temple, the house, and the family of God is purged of all those that actually hate the Lord. The wickedness that troubles the true Israel is removed. As with Joshua the high priest, as far as the east Babylon and Shinar, as far as the east is from the west, which would be the land and Israel and ultimately the garden. If you would, turn with me to Psalm 103. I want you to see the work of the Lord. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities. Who heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from destruction. Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Who satisfies thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executes righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west so far has He removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father that pities his children, so the Lord pities them that fear Him. These are good and comforting words. This is the word of the Lord. This is what this chapter is about. The Lord is jealous for Jerusalem and Zion. The Lord loves Jacob. He loves Israel. The Lord of heaven and earth loves His people. He's crazy mad in love with His bride. See, God, in His vengeance against the Jews, could not have ceased except by cleansing them from their sins and by renewing them by His Spirit. For they had actually warred against their Maker and against His law in such a way that there was no means to satisfy justice, but to have their sins dealt with. And God Himself takes on those sins, reconciling Himself to men and men to Him. And then He renews us by His Spirit. He blots out our sin. He forgives our iniquity. Our guilt is no more. And He regenerates us so that we can love Him and so that we can serve Him and so that we can resist The devil. The Lord is angry with those who oppose him. But he is crazy in love with you. Do you understand this? When we approach this crazy vision... When we started out this morning, I laid out some very basic principles. And I think we see that in this chapter. The God of Israel helping, encouraging His people through His Word and through His prophets. The Lord speaking good and comfortable words to His people, even if they are a little hard to understand the Lord of hosts being jealous for His people and in love with His bride. And the Lord coming against those who hate Him. We've seen that in today's passage. The point of today's passage is that the Lord loves us so much that He removes sin as an obstacle. He has taken your sins. You bear it no more. He purges His body, His church, His bride. Those who are false professors, He carries off to Shinar. And the sin that opposes His church. The sin that opposes His people. The world, the flesh, and the devil have been carried away as well. The Lord reigns over those. You see, the Lord of hosts has roused Himself. Do you know this word? Our great warrior king, in his anger, he stands up and he draws his sword. All those who oppose Him will be silenced by His terrible glory. All of the obstacles. All of them. All the obstacles hindering the advancement of the gospel, the advancement of the kingdom, and the success of you, His people, who have been called to carry out the Great Commission and to build Him a house for His name. Every mountain leveled. Every valley raised up. The crooked made straight. The rough places made smooth. O daughters of Zion, ye redeemed of the Lord, stand still. Lift up your eyes and see the salvation of of your Lord, all who love Him, O oh, ye daughters of Zion, you who love Him, sing and rejoice, for the Lord God Himself has come and He dwells with His people. Let's pray. Father, You are a great and mighty and awesome God. Your Word displays Your glory on every page, every passage. There is none like You, Lord. And Lord, today we see that there is none like You And You love Your people. You have removed our sins from us. You have taken away the wickedness that hinders us. You've thrown it into the pit. You've bound it with Satan. Thrown it into a lake of fire. Lord, we have seen through these passages that You clothe us in Your righteousness, that You empower us by Your Spirit, that You have called us to build Your house. And to this, Lord, we say yes and amen. But we pray that You will help our unbelief, that You will increase our faith, that You will allow us to trust You more that You will give us the eyes of faith to see You at work in our midst, that You will give us the eyes of faith to see that our labors are not in vain. Lord, we love You and we praise You and we are thankful for Your Word this morning. In Jesus' name, Amen.